Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with Life Coach Dan Mangina. Today is Tuesday, February the 4th, 2020. It's 4 p.m. New York time and wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today. You are a daily dose of happy and Daniel's giving me a hard time as I'm doing the intro here, which puts a nice smile on my face. So thank you for giving me a hard time, Daniel. I appreciate that. I'm giving you a fun time. <laughs> a fun but time. it's much more fun to call out a hard time because that way I can make fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got to be careful because um, normally I can get away with my off-screen dances and hoobles because there's three of us, right? To you and Alex. That's right. Yep. So I, I've got to be very, very box of it more clever today. Or all of my behind-the-scenes dances may come to the surface. I may be revealed. I may be revealed, so... That's cool. I mean, we can live with that, I think. We, well, it, this isn't the first time we've done a show just mano on mano because that was the first time you came on exactly. as a guest, which was about the first two about times, I think. I think it was. You're right. And it, the first mm-hmm. one was about a year ago, wasn't it? I think it's been I think it was even before then. I was think, it? Yeah, because it was when I first was down in Mexico. Okay. Because it was, right. it was, yeah, it was 2018, back into 2018, I'm sure of it. It was that far back. Wow. I think oh, so. Oh, my goodness. Okay. My, how time flies. <laughs> Just like this. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> it's good stuff. But, uh, so, so I'm glad we're experienced. We, we, we're, we've done this before. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. We've made so, it work. Anyway, so I, I, I am now, I'm now grounded after my trip to uh, Florida. And, mm-hmm. and I've been experiencing the interesting phenomenon of what happens when you restore the old environment. Ah, yes. You know what I mean? Because yep. we, we have all these little you know anchors and experiences built in and patterns and so forth. And you go back into that patterned experience and it all comes flooding back. And all of a sudden, all the stuff that you were trying to overcome before is back. <laughs> and it's a challenge. It's, it's a real challenge. In fact, Louise and I were kind of um, confronting it, shall we say, over the last mm-hmm. few days. Because we were recognizing, well, I mean, when you're on vacation, first of all, I mean, it's great, right? Because you're doing all this fun stuff. You're eating great food. Mm-hmm. You're talking with people you haven't talked with a lot. Everything's new. Everything's exciting. And then you go back home. Mm-hmm. It's the same old thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way he faces it. And then it's the same old thing. Like, well, well it is. Why does it do that? <laughs> and it, it actually can create, I won't call it a danger, but it, it, it kind of brings you back into that place that you were trying to get away from that you went on vacation for. Mm-hmm. So now you're working, you're working kind of hard to, okay, I've got to you know, get out of that old pattern and, and you know, reestablish that new pattern I was working on before I went away. Fortunately, it's easier because, you know, you've been doing some regrouping and uh, de-stressing on your vacation. So you come back in a better place for it. But still, I mean, it takes some work to do that. And it kind of, rec- the reason I bring it up, it kind of reminds me of a, of something we talked about. It may have been last week. I can't remember for sure. But we talked about how people who are trying to make change in their lives will they'll go to a seminar. They will go read a book. They'll go to a movie. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll watch stuff. They'll read stuff. They'll absorb stuff that tells them, yes, I got to do this. And, and then they got to start making changes. And then they don't make the changes. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, we see this all the time, right? We, we do yeah. this. I mean, we're, we're not uh, exempt from this thing. Mm-hmm. And it, I guess what I'm saying is you go away and you come back and you, it really hits you in the face. Oh, my God, it's so easy to fall into that old pattern. It's so hard to change. Can I really stick to the, the, the new game plan that I've got of changing? It's, it's mm-hmm. a challenge. It's a challenge day to day. It's a challenge practically hour by hour. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, like when, when you deal with that, you do a lot of traveling. So I'm sure you run into that a lot. What, what's your strategy? <laughs> Um, it's really interesting that you've gone this way because actually when we were sort of throwing ideas around between the walls about what to talk about today, the thing that really started to shine through was finding what works for you instead of trying to do what works for everyone else. Mm, Right. Um, And the the reason why I I called to that is because so often we lose sight of the fact that we are all individuals with individual paths that we've come along with different experiences, uh, different belief systems, different capacities and capabilities and all of these inform what is going to be the most optimal route for us to bring about change mm-hmm. so whilst there are perhaps common themes that support the majority of people 
there are there are nuances to that that are going to be different for the individual. And when you come to that point where you've reached the limit with a particular modality, it becomes time to start fine tuning that for yourself. And that's when you can yeah. start to, to see the change. Yeah. So for example, um, I don't do the rampage. I, I don't do it. Um, <laughs> well, we got you to do it one time. <laughs> yeah, no, I've done, I've done it with you guys, but it, it doesn't form a part of my own right. personal transformation strategies. It was really quiet here before. Um, I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, it's a lovely day outside. Let's go outside. Um, but it's not so. It's not so quiet anymore. So I'm, I'm going to come inside. That's right. Um, it's, a, it's a signal from the universe that uh, you, you're, you're going to do a better job inside. So that's all. It is. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, but you do have things that do work. Ooh, something happened with your signal because now all of a sudden you're cutting out. I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, much better signal outside. That was that was different. <laughs> okay, then I guess we're back outside. So apparently, the original message was the correct one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. Uh, so what I said is that remember I worked with someone, and my strategy of micro shifting. This is the first time I've ever had my, micro shifting backfire on me. Really? Because what, what actually ended up happening is was it actually triggered her not seeing the whole picture. And instead of it creating space to baby step and ease into change, it threw her off and meant that she, she just couldn't handle it. it. She just went into a spin and was so distracted by the baby stepping that she didn't get anything done. Whereas ordinarily, micro shifting is what gets us beyond procrastination. It gets us beyond resistance mm. because we can take those baby steps. And so in that moment, I learned that, well, I guess micro shifting isn't as... <laughs> <laughs> You discovered the limits. I discovered that, that there is a limit to, to, to micro shifting. But again, yeah. that just comes down to the fact that her individualized optimal route to change didn't include the micro shifting. Mm. We did some work on that and we realized that what was actually happening it was self-sabotage because it would work. Her mind was shutting down because it didn't want it didn't want the change. So we had to micro the micro shifts mm. with her and give her a macro outlook so that there was that the story of you don't know what's happening is, is taking away. So yeah, um, for me personally, I find that micro shifting works. <laughs> Not <laughs> trying on. to do too much at one time works for me. Uh, and also um, having sufficient leverage over myself, so having a really clear vision of why and having a model of someone that's done it. What do you mean leverage? So... Let's say, for example, let's take, for example, um, my health and fitness. So okay. I've, I've always, for the last 10 years, 11 years, I've done a lot of keeping in shape, uh, martial arts and working out and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then in my last relationship, I ended up getting a, an, older, an older person belly, like a post-30 belly, because I just... It just wasn't working out. I just didn't have the same motivation. It just wasn't getting done. And then every time I went to get back in the gym, the time that it was taking to see results was really just kind of made, I was like, oh God, I'm over 30 now. It's, you know, it doesn't take me six weeks to get back into shape. I've been doing this for two months and I'm seeing very little results. I can't be bothered to do this. And so that lack of energy committed to the change required some leverage in order for me to get past it and give myself a big enough why to stick with it and keep going to get yeah. to the end result. Yeah. Um, even with my, uh, with my Kundalini yoga practice, I, about three months ago, I had this crisis of confidence in the efficacy of one part of the practice and I, I stopped doing it. And I realized because I didn't have a level of certainty in the result. And so I created leverage by reminding myself what well, it feels good when I do it. And there's nothing harming for coming. There's nothing harmful coming for me doing it. Mm -hmm. So in the grand scheme of things, there's more upside me just doing something that feels good. Even if the grand magical results aren't necessarily apparent right now. Mm. And that gave me sufficient leverage to keep going and okay. 
and to and to plug through, especially on those days when you don't really feel like it. Um, sometimes it's having a um, having a why in the form of just integrity to yourself. Mm. And so when it comes down to um, doing like those thirty day challenges, which you know everyone starts to fall off around day sixteen. <laughs> I don't know about you. you know, I, I don't know about the average person. I mean, I've, I've gotten through a couple of them, but most of them, I kind of fell off after day one. I mean, it just yeah, didn't go very far. So having that leverage of, well, even though nobody's watching, I'm watching, and I want to be in integrity with myself. Right. And this comes down to, you know, if you look at Gretchen Rubin's work on 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 four tendencies and how we respond to expectation. You, you read the four the four tendencies. I, I, I don't know this one now. Great, great book. So I'll give you a quick synopsis. Okay. So Gretchen basically did some research and ascertained that in general, people in the world fall into one of four categories in terms of how we deal with expectation, whether internally or externally. So upholders will always respond positively to outside expectation um, mm-hmm. and also in, inside expectation. So even mm-hmm. if there's not an outside force, because they've said they're going to do it, they'll follow through. Mm-hmm. Uh, obligers need an outside expectation. Otherwise, internally, they don't do it. So if nobody's watching, they're not going to do it. Um, but if someone, if they're being held accountable or if there's pleasure or pain from the result of doing it or not, they're likely to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, questioners will only do it if they understand the why. So mm-hmm. they have to be given a reason why in order to have leverage over themselves to actually execute. And then rebels naturally don't respond to internal or external situations. I'm actually a rebel, interestingly enough, um, which is really funny for me. Uh, so <laughs> I have to, so I really have to consciously sit down and create a why for myself that I'm going to stick to to create that leverage. And if someone expects me to do something or someone asks me to do something, my tendency is to, to rebel against it. So. Well, well, isn't there a fifth category, though? That would be the put-offers, the people who put oh, everything off. The put-offers. <laughs> they procrastinate <laughs> on everything. <laughs> Gretchen says that the people that put off is because they, they're clearly not an upholder and therefore don't have the right leverage coming in whether it's because they're an obliger questioner or or uh, rebel so so yeah i can't remember why we're talking about that well you, you brought it in because i was asking you about you know what, you, what your strategies have been and you and you said what your leverage. strategy was and i brought in leverage yeah there we go yeah leverage so yeah understanding your tendency can help you find or create the framework for sufficient leverage so obliger should always have an accountability buddy always if you're an obliger, which is what most people are, get a buddy, get a coach, get someone to hold you accountable. An online program is not going to help you because you're probably not going to do it if nobody's watching you, if there's no accountability in place. Upholders will always get it done. So the thing with them is making sure that they don't commit to too much because they can burn out committing to stuff and then always following through with it. And rebels need to just find a self, uh, a self-directed why that isn't dependent on expectation. So for me, it's it was oh it feels good okay there's a selfish reason there so I'm gonna do it because it feels good regardless so, of the expectation. So in the four, which one was the questioner again? What was what was the questioner? The questioner is the one they will do it as long as they know why. As long as they've got a solid, verifiable why, they will do it. And if not, they won't do it. I, I feel like I'm close to that. I don't feel like that really describes me perfectly, but it's mm-hmm. close because it isn't so much do I have a why. It's more along the lines of, do I believe it's worthwhile? Questioner still. Okay. Yeah, questioner still. I mean, do the test. Is, um, if you go to happier, happiercast.com, I think it is. It's a free test. It takes like five five minutes or ten minutes. You answer some questions. They give you your grouping and they, they give you some tips and stuff. And her book, uh, The Four Tendencies, is really great with some strategies on how to make the most out of your time and also how to relate with other people. So mm-hmm. I'm a rebel. Olga's a questioner. Uh, my sister's a questioner. My brother's an upholder. I love working with upholder clients. If someone's uh, an obliger, I, I'm probably not going to work with them one-on-one because you have to put too much work into getting them to follow through with stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like what uh, she said because she's, she's divided up into categories that are easy to understand. I've also um, come to take with a grain of salt people who put things in categories. I mean, there's the old joke about there are two kinds of people in the world, those who divide the world into two kinds of people and those who do not. And, 
<laughs> it kind of reminds you that, well, we all do a little bit of both, you know. So I, yeah. I think we probably all fit into one of those four categories at any given time, and then we shift to another one, and, and we have a tendency perhaps toward one direction or whatever. Yeah. But it, it does help to kind of clarify the different ways that we find not to do something. I think that these things, um, archetypes and all this kind of good stuff, I think they serve a purpose as long as you don't expect them to be the panacea that's going to serve all purposes. Right. Exactly. So, for example, going back to Olga, she's um, she's training to be something called a human design analyst. And human design is a really interesting archetype, but it can go really, really deep into stuff. And now she's got obsessed with something called Gene Keys. Okay. And she's got me doing a... I hope she's not watching this live. I'm going to get in trouble later. So she's got me doing that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, anyway. I'll swear all of our listeners to secrecy. It's okay. Okay. All right. I love you, babe. Um, so um, <laughs> I'm doing like some a session on Monday with her Gene Keys person. And Gene Keys says, oh, this is what you're, you're supposed to be like this. And it's basically like an advanced horoscope, which I don't necessarily agree with because I don't agree with anything that constricts infinite possibility, as I always say. Mm. But there are angles on it that you can use to, to, create flow by going with what you naturally have a tendency towards or, but I always encourage people to just basically feel into it and see what works for you or just see which one of them form permission slips, which serve you. So for example, with the human design stuff, uh, I'm a type called a generator, which means that I operate effectively in response to things. But when I looked at my life, how I play chess, how I roll in jujitsu, how I do everything, I am actually in my flow more when I'm operating on the counterplay. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I accept that as a permission slip that validates that. And I rolling through life that way. And I'm actually finding that I'm having less, less stress, more flow, greater ease. And it works for me. There are pieces of the human design puzzle or other. I just kind of ignore it because apparently it says what time of the day I'm supposed to eat and the kind of food I'm supposed to eat. <laughs> And I must eat in silence with the, the vitamin D from the sun. Dude, I'm not joking. It says this kind of stuff. It actually says I believe this kind you. of thing. Yeah. And so um, much to the dismay of Olga, I don't really worship at the altar of, of human design. But I pick and choose which mm -hmm. bits serve me and which bits I'm like, sure. eh, I don't necessarily agree with you. Um, everyone can see themselves in their horoscope on some level. Like, because the brain just starts to justify it and looking mm. for, oh, yeah. Sure. I do have a second, third cousin called May who that happened to. <laughs> so it must be correct. Oh my God, I'm finding the love of my life today. But if you believe in it enough, right, that, that it's going to work, it's the belief that, that creates the thing. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, belief is the I mean, driver. I a, exactly. I did a tweet the other day. What was it? Um, the probability of a thing depends more on your vibrational frequency than mm. anything else. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And in yeah. fact, well, you're touching on something that is one of my favorite things. If I'm, if, if I'm trying to make a change and I'm getting overwhelmed with all the methods and the, uh, the, the various uh, tactics you can take and the strategies and the 30 day plans and so forth. In those situations, I just go back to Abraham Hicks. What do you like? Just focus mm -hmm. on what you like and, and, and just get all the other stuff out of the way. <laughs> and it, that actually, that clears my mind more than anything else. It's, it's so simple. What do you like? Okay, you're done. You've done And it. then you found your flow. You found yeah. your flow. But for some people, that's not. For some people, it's not going to work work. at all. No. Yes. Just, and, they, and they don't okay. believe it or they, they just, they, <laughs> they can't stay there or it's just too simplified and too, too simplistic or, yeah, there's like a thousand reasons why it won't work. And I think that's. For, for me personally, anyone that's listened to this, I'd love for them to take away to take away this thing. It's okay if what works for Walt, what works for Dan, what works for Alex, if it doesn't work for you. It's about finding what does work for for you. And once you start actually taking responsibility for finding what works for you, investigating and playing with life to identify what works for you, mm -hmm. then guess what? You can actually start having things work for you. Yes. versus giving your power away to other people's optimal ways of doing things or giving your power away to other people deciding what you should or shouldn't be doing. Like part and parcel of the adventure of life, I think is just finding out what does work for me or remembering what does work for me and then um, playing that out. And I think there's a, a tremendous value in that exploration 
for a number of reasons, including what I was talking about before, the, the fact that I like or prefer something, because we as a society do have a tendency to spend a lot of time focused on what we don't like. And we'll find a lot of reasons to do that, including self-improvement. <laughs> we'll find all kinds of ways to just, you know, keep saying, well, you know, there's this thing over here that I really don't like or that I don't prefer and that I don't approve of. I'm, I'm going to rally against it. I'm going to be an activist against it. I'm going, we find all these different ways to focus there. But on those occasions where we actually manage to find a way to like something, okay, I'm done with that. <laughs> when it, the actual better thing is to spend more time on, well, yeah, I really like that. I mean, I wonder what I can do with it. Is there a method I can use that like perpetuates that? Maybe maybe, there, maybe there's a program. I can, maybe there's a 30 day program I can follow that actually does this thing that I like. I what well, I think truth in its essence is really really simple, but it's it's it 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 serves us to find our root to letting go of everything that blocks us from that simplicity that stands between us and that simplicity. Because yeah. the, the what it all comes down to is we get more and more of who we are doing what we are. That was a, a, a bug. <laughs> that was a bug? But, it was, it, but it, was, it was a really strange looking vehicle. Anyway, we get more and more of who and what we are. But number one, we need to get to a point where we can actually know, you know, who, what we want to be so we can step into being that thing. And then understanding and having a really clear cognitive connection between what we desire to experience and the who and what we must be in order to to experience that and then it's being it's having the tools having the modalities having the ways that work for us to be that person to be that state of being that will in and of itself because the heavy lifting is done by who we are exactly that's why yeah. all of the three-dimensional matter-to-matter trying to do stuff, I find it hilarious when people spend all their time, and even when I sometimes find myself trying to do more stuff in order to get stuff done, when really all of that energy should be directed into being the state of being that matches and correlates to that experience. It is really, really simple. Just feeling good is probably going to work most of the time, especially if that feeling of goodness correlates to the experiences that you, you, you really want. Yes, Yes, but if you cute. don't know what feeling good is to you because you spent so much time feeling crap or you don't even have a clear picture of what you want to experience and therefore even if it was slapping you in the face you wouldn't feel good about it you know <laughs> these are the things <laughs> i had that this morning i was like i found myself like being stressed out about something my macbook died last week oh it was really funny uh a coaching call came from a client i went yay and then my, it just died <laughs> and, and Every time I turn it on, it starts and then just turns off again. Mm. And uh, obviously, I I live paradise here, but there's no Apple Store here. No, no. <laughs> there is no Apple Store here. It's beautiful. I'm looking at the ocean right now, and there are cruise liners, and there's beautiful mountains, and there is no MacBook Store. Mm-hmm. And I found myself this morning getting really frustrated at, oh, my gosh, like, and this hasn't been done, and this and that, and I had a call, like I had a two-hour call with someone, and I'm not going to be able to do the notes. And I was like, wow, I'm really going into a crappy negative spiral mm-hmm. on account of something that really isn't all that bad. None of these things I'm stressing about, the world isn't going to end if they're not done immediately. And in fact, this may be my world taking care of me, creating space for me to direct my focus, to zero down on the things that do matter, to spend some more time with Olga, or to go out and do stuff in nature, rather than just being tied to my computer all day. And the, diff- the, the, the fine line between which of these outcomes it is depends entirely on my perspective on it and the frequency that I'm showing up as. And so I was like, well, showing up with a crap attitude about this and that isn't really going to co- correlate to the experiences that I want. It's a question I ask myself. Are my feelings and emotions right now the seeds that bear fruit that I want to experience later? And if the answer is no, shift. And, and I knew it wasn't. And so I just shifted out of it. And then things happened, you know, some loads of some money just started coming in that I was supposed to have been in before just started showing up today and I had a really really great call and uh, we're having a great conversation I've got another podcast and we're recording after this the weather isn't blazingly hot but it's warm and it's not raining like it is if I was still going to be back in, in England mm-hmm. so just shifting my focus is putting me in an upward spiral towards positive outcomes and really at its core 
anything that someone's going to be trying to do should be bringing into a space wherein this spiral is going up instead of going down. And, and let's be honest. I mean, there are times where the answer to the, to the question you pose, I mean, is this the way that I want to feel? Sometimes the answer is yes. I just want to be pissy. You know, <laughs> I'm perfectly honest. You know, <laughs> like you know, to hell with all this energy raising stuff. I just want to be pissed off for a bit, <laughs> right? And, and there's really nothing wrong with that. Um, no. I, the only reason that I might want to ever be concerned is I don't want to live there. I, I don't yeah. want to make that my lifestyle. You know, that would be a reason no. for concern. But you know, if I'm there for mm -hmm. five minutes or even a half an hour, well, I'll survive. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's not the, um, the world doesn't end. <laughs> is it conscious folly? I remember I went to an event with um, Aubrey Marcus, and he was speaking about something called I think it's conscious folly or willful folly, one of the mm -hmm. two, where we're stepping into that, knowing what we're doing. Right? Do you know what? I'm pissed off right now. I'm just going to sit and enjoy being peed off for a little bit. And I'm just going to do it, do it for a little while, but I'm not going to do it forever. So I, I had this tool that I gave to a client of mine. She'd had a really rough time with it. She got into a relationship with a guy that was in an open marriage. She decided to go ahead and get some more feelings that weren't really in alignment with the agreement that was there on the table. Mm -hmm. She went to back away from it and had all of this pent up energy. And I said, well, instead of trying to suppress the anger, give it an hour a day. An hour a day where you can scream about it, you can gossip about it to your friends, you can write angrily in your journal, you can punch a punch bag, but just give it an hour. And then the next week, give it 50 minutes. And the next week, 40. And the next week, 30. But give it time, but then make sure as much time as you spend in that, go to the other side of it too. So if you spend an hour being angry, spend an hour being grateful for the time that you had. 40 minutes gossiping, Spend 40 minutes edifying, balance out that energy and see which one feels better. And then just cut the time, cut the time, cut the time, cut the time, cut the time. And that was it. By the way, I, I can fully endorse throwing pillows at a wall. It's very effective. And because it has a, a physical component to it, you know, you're, 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 you're just winging these pillows at the wall, right? And they're just bouncing off the wall and falling on the ground. But man, it lets out a lot of stress. <laughs> It lets out a whole lot of stress as you go. <laughs> I'm going to use this one. I'm going to throw pillows. I'm going to try that. It works. It's great. Um, screaming, I'm, I'm screaming into pillows is also good. That's if you want. Screaming into water is great as well. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to like, you know, give the neighbors a, a break, you know, which is a nice <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's, that, that, hilarious. that's being pissy with some, you know, respect for others. <laughs> yes. Yes. Pissy with respect. With respect. That's right. <laughs> Avec consideration. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. That probably is not how you say it in French, but you know what? That was pretty in good. My reality. I mean, I'm, I'm not an expert at French, but I took enough French to know that. That was pretty good. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, thank you, my friend. <laughs> You're welcome. Merci, mon frère. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can think of to say is très bien. So très bien, very good. Now Jeffrey, of course, has been commenting. By the way, he wanted to say that he's also a rebel. So you and he have that ah, in common. Yeah, good old Jeffrey. Yep. Um, and he also said, yes, he is into rampaging. He likes rampaging. Yes. Which just goes to rampages prove. I mean, the things rampages feel good. I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying that they. I haven't found them to be. Something yeah. that I include in my in my regular practice. Well, yeah, that's, that's my point. Be yeah. Because because there's an example of it, it works for him, it doesn't work for you, and that's cool. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. It's great. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. In fact, I you know, honestly, I like rampaging. I just don't like doing it very often. <laughs> but but every once in a while I just feel like good, you know, go for it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Especially if I'm getting pushed back. That's when I really like to go after it. <laughs> <laughs> but do, do you know the funny thing is, is I'm just thinking about it and I'm wondering if I've literally just wondered if sometimes things that don't work for me is because I'm rebelling against the fact that it's yeah. things that other people do. Sure. So like I've got this with famous people. So we had a I know one or two other couples that probably had post Super Bowl j-lo and shakira arguments uh -huh, so yes i made a comment when watching the super bowl and it wasn't even a compliment i simply made a comment and 
I have faced wrath for my comment. But the funny thing is, is that anytime that people get obsessed with a famous celebrity and say how hot she is, I get more and more disinterested. <laughs> I'm not interested in, honestly, I, I'm, I'm completely honest with you. Beyonce? Yeah. Yeah, pretty enough girl, but I don't understand what the craziness is. Shakira, J-Lo, all of these. I'm like, oh, yeah, great, cool. Whatever. So I well, well Daniel, I'm give it about wondering. give give it about twenty years because you'll get to the point where you don't even know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe then my bias will disappear. <laughs> that that will be when the future Beyonce, whoever that is, you know, yeah. comes onto the scene. You'll say who? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just it's just. But I, anyway, I just I would encourage people to give things a try. You know, uh, taste and see if it's good for you explore part of the playfulness mm -hmm. uh, and just be now that i'm thinking about myself as a rebel i'm saying ask yourself why it doesn't feel like it works for you maybe it does and that's the reason why you're running away from it because you're actually running away from the positive uptake or maybe you're knocking on something just because everybody else likes it which is mm -hmm. what i think maybe I'm, I'm doing with something so i'm actually gonna i'm actually gonna investigate that for myself I'll also make an argument that we're, we're on an interesting topic today. All the ways that we don't actually work on ourselves. <laughs> but I'll tell you another way that I don't work on myself. There are times where, you know, working myself, working on myself will come along as, a, as something that I realize I need to do, or I've been working on myself for a while and I'm, I'm just kind of tired of doing it. So I'll just, I'll quit for the day. I mean, I'll just quit to take the rest of the day off. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to fight anything. I'm not going to do any kind of extra processes. I'm just, I quit. I'm done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> call me tomorrow. <laughs> sometimes you just sometimes, quit. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes that's the thing that you need to do. Sometimes taking that step back creates a breathing space for you to be able to move forward. Right. It's actually kind of a form of meditation, I really think. Yeah. Yeah. Quitting meditation. It's the quitting meditation. Yeah. <laughs> because when you quit, what you're really doing is turning off all that crazy talk that's going inside the brain. Mm -hmm. You know, you're saying, okay, mm -hmm. that's it. You know, go away. Call, call me tomorrow, but I'm done for today. And it, exactly. it's literally letting go of that stuff, which is exactly what meditation is, right? You're, you're basically mm -hmm. saying, okay, I'm letting go of all that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Creating that space. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. What's, um, what's, What's one of the craziest ways that someone's shared with you that they create or that they, they get into to growth or development? I don't know. Crazy. Crazy. Not the word I can apply to it, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll identify some that I think are very different. I'm not sure that there are any really crazy ones. I think okay. all, they all have legitimacy, but mm -hmm. so different that it was like shocking to my system. I think it's kind of what you're aiming at. <laughs> To be perfectly honest, I love her dearly, and I've learned a ton from her. My Friday co-host, Linda Armstrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the things that she's she's brought to the table, they're wonderful. But especially in the early days of it, I was sitting here like, okay, yeah, this isn't going to go very far. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is just not going to work. And, of course, it worked beautifully. It worked yeah. absolutely. I mean, one of the things that she does, this is like a regular thing for us now on Fridays, she'll get out one of her infinite number of card decks. She has angel cards and... You know, numerology cards and all kinds of card decks and invariably daniel it's like 100 percent accuracy invariably the cards that she pulls are exactly what we're talking about wow and when she first started doing it i said to myself okay this is a little woo -woo. <laughs> this is a little weird <laughs> but after experiencing it week after week where the cards just kept matching perfectly with what we were talking about i was saying damn there is something to this what's this all about now that was pretty crazy when yeah, I first I'm, experienced it, that was crazy. But now I'm a believer in it. And I'm saying, <laughs> holy cow, what a shift that's been. <laughs> I found, I found, um, so I got into cards. Uh, my friend, Jess, Jess Babaco, she's an intuitive medium. She's one of the, in terms of people that call it and it happens, mm -hmm. I, I've, I don't know many people that call out things that are going to happen and they happen as, as accurately as she does. She's really, really tuned in. Um, so we were in uh, we were in Seattle in January of last year, January of last year, and we were in a store uh, getting um, what were we doing at the store? We were in a crystal store, like a woo woo crystal store. Okay. 
and we're just running around just grabbing stuff. I was picking which books, and I, I've got a thing now since my first trip to a crystal store a couple of years ago where I just kind of feel into what calls me and I just grab. I don't even see what they're about. I grab it and then I see what it's for afterwards. I just see what, what I'm called to. And uh, she picked up an oracle deck. She's like, this deck's for you. I'm like, okay, just did it. Cool, grab it. And I've had such a powerful experience with with, with that deck. Really? Uh, it's a Ganetha deck. I often on my Instagram, anyone who watches it follows me on Instagram, um, generally on a daily basis, I'll pull, I've, had, I've got another deck now that's been gifted to me. Um, that I call from as well, but yeah, it was uh, it, it got a bit freaky at mm. some points. Um, doing like a four card spread and single cards and what have you, uh, and just seeing how it really, even like when I get the same one multiple days in a row, and I could actually feel that that message was was calling out to me to do. And I actually had to sit with it, and I was like, "There's got to be a reason why this works." And I really understood for, for me personally that. What was happening is, was that my, my intuition, my higher self was using this as a voice to speak to me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't connect with people on the other side and stuff like that. So it's not that for me, whereas a lot of people that do readings, they use them for that because they've been given the message there. Sure. But for me, I really feel it's like my intuition speaking to me through the card. And so I sit with a question or I sit with, um, even sitting with like when I, in the morning when I do my morning pull, it's okay, I need some guidance for the day. And I, and I get some guidance and direction for my day so I can sort of line it up. But I'm not expecting something outside of me. I really consider it to be something that's me speaking in a voice that I can see right in front of me. And that's how I find them to work for me. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, I've, I've yeah. had very much the same experiences. But the only thing that um, has not worked is my wife and I trying to do the card decks together. It turns out that I don't know if it's our expectations or if it's just the way we think about the process or whatever, but the cards match up, but we each keep saying it's matching for the other person. <laughs> it's but not matching for this me. Way. Are you both using the same deck? We're using the same deck. We're drawing cards That's from the deck. Why? Well, probably, yeah, but we wanted to do something yeah. together, so we figured we'd try to do it that way. And and in, But the interesting thing is, inevitably, whichever one of us pulls the card out, whatever the card is, we both say it's about you. So <laughs> we, we don't take ownership funny? for ourselves. <laughs> um, I'm very strict about people touching my deck. Nah. Um, only reason being is because it, the deck came with instructions about other people touching it. Mm. And then for me, it's not about superstition, it's that if it comes with those instructions, then it's seeded with that intention. And therefore I roll with it in order to find flow. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So um, Olga's now got her own deck, which is a lovely, lovely, lovely deck, which I love. So what we do now is we take turns. So ah. for example, one week she'll pull the cards for both of us. So she'll do one for her and one for me. And then, but she uses her deck. And then one week I, I do it and I pull one for her and one for me um, from my okay. deck. And that's what we do to go back and forth. So maybe that's something to try, and then you're not crossing yeah. over the wires on the on the deck. Plus, it would probably also help if we go into it with the idea that we can be getting the messages ourselves and that it can't be only about the other person getting the message. Exactly. I mean, there's a certain thing going on there because belief mm-hmm. is a big part of this thing. And, exactly. and that's really the next point I wanted to get to. You mentioned it a few moments ago that belief is really what drives the whole thing, and it's true. It is. Um, Louise proves that by using a modality that is so far woo-woo that it's actually mainstream. that that sounds weird i know it's it's intended to be funny but um she she does these word searches you know little puzzles where you try to find the words in various Mm -hmm. angles backward forward upside down all that kind of stuff and when she does those her mind is working on other stuff sometimes it's working on herself sometimes it's kind of working in the background on trying to solve a problem Sometimes she's just sitting there to, to do the word search. But it's interesting. The more that she does these word searches, the more interesting stuff comes out of her. Hmm. And I don't think she has even consciously made the connection, but I have. So especially when we're talking here. So here's something that's pretty mundane. I mean, there's nobody sold the word search as, oh, well, you're going to find out who your heart's desire is or how you're going to make a lot of money. It's just, no, I like doing word searches. <laughs> so that's what the product is. And she's found a way to turn it into, here's how I'm helping myself. Here's how I'm working mm. on myself. I'm, I'm basically using the word search as a way to distract myself from myself so that I can let myself go where I really need to go. Ah, uh, it's almost using the word search to um, 
in a hypnotic way to get into in trance. Makes sense. Yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah it's, it has yeah. a bit of a post-hypnotic side to it. Mm. Yeah. Because when you think about it, all of these things, they're really just shutting down the mind so that right. you can actually hear, hear you, shutting down the ego so you can hear the true self. Mm. Uh, in the Paul Selig language, you know, shutting down the small self so that the true self can speak truth through us in, in how we're showing up. And I think there's some power to that. I mean, even when you look at, um, so for example, my friend Lee, he's, um, he's got this, um, this thing, he, he was down here in November and he's got this thing that says neuroplasticity increases when you're in movement. Mm-hmm. And so when we were working out together, he'd have me saying positive affirmations on each rep. So like genius, beauty, wisdom, gratitude. And it's like, well, first and foremost, it distracts you from the pain. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Because he's a, he's a bit of a beast. He's a, he's a unit. Um, he's a unit. So he has me do some very interesting exercises. Uh, but then also, yeah, you're just, you're just in this beautiful flow. Just oh, gratitude. And it just feels really, really good to create that trance mm-hmm. through the movement as you do the exercise. That's very cool stuff. You used a word that was actually part of a conversation Louise and I had last night. And it occurs to me, I want to bring it up because I don't think I've ever addressed this with you. I've I've addressed this with virtually every other co-host, probably all of them, but I don't think I've addressed it with you. So I'm curious to know what your take is. The word is ego. And the reason I bring that up is I find that virtually everybody has a different definition of the word. They won't necessarily acknowledge that, but they all define it differently. They all think about it differently. They all mean it differently. So I'm kind of curious to know when you say ego, what does that mean to you? Uh, Right now, as I'm, as I'm sitting before you, ego for me is the accumulation of the stories, narratives, and um, stories, narratives, and programs that make up who we are to show up in the world. Who so we are to what? As we show up in the world. As we show up. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So we could say that ego is the, um, the identity filter to what we end up pulling from the truth as our reality. So it's okay. the lens through which we as a being experience the world. Um, personalities in there, uh, belief systems, our sense of self, all of those narratives for me make up what I consider to be the ego. Which in and of itself, I think is a, it's an ephemeral entity, right? Because if we look at the fact that nothing exists beyond the now, it doesn't have to continue. So we have the opportunity to shed and carry forward what we want from that. But that's what I I consider the ego to be, as I sit with you right now. One of the things that I've looked at where the word ego is concerned, well, actually, there are two main things I've looked at. One is what is the definition? And I've pretty much concluded there is no one the definition because Mm. everybody looks at it differently. But there is one factor that shows up not 100% of the time, but maybe 90% of the time in most people's definitions, not everybody's. And that is the ego for most people seems to represent the parts of themselves or others they would really rather would go away. It's, it's, mm. it's sort of a way of negating parts of ourselves and, and categorizing it and putting it into this little box. Okay, I want to get that ego out of my way because I don't like that stuff. <laughs> I actually, I, I used to be one of those people. And then um, a friend of mine, she's a Hay House author, um, mm-hmm. Mary Kelly. Mm-hmm. She was on a, um, she was, Jess and I were having a conversation with her at some point. And Mira said that she said that uh, her philosophy is that we shouldn't try and crush the ego. We should just balance it out with more heart-centered love. Mm. Okay. That it serves a purpose mm-hmm. and that actually the fighting of it gives those elements of it that we don't necessarily desire more life mm. versus actually just balancing it out with love and then being a balanced being that has an ego itself and also a heart-centered true self. And since then, I, I kind of dropped my till then definitions and beliefs around the ego and just became more open again to exploring what it could be Mm. for me and what it could, what it could mean. And I'm now really using that, um, as I said, to classify the narratives that make up the story of who we say we are, Mm. but that's an ephemeral thing that doesn't have to last and that we have the choice to step in and out of different pieces of it and to lay out and pull away pieces of it. 
Yeah, that's a good way to do it. I, I myself, honestly, for the longest time, I have actually adopted the personal viewpoint that the eagle has no definition at all. In fact, that it doesn't even exist. Um, but, <laughs> but I also find that doesn't really work very well when I'm communicating with somebody else. So I kind of adopt, you know, whatever their definition. Yeah. Okay, y'all go with that, right? <laughs> but flexibility. Uh, yeah, well, it is flexibility. I, I yeah. think that also kind of ties into what you were. I'm not sure if you were directly saying it or indirectly saying it, but it's about, well, you, in a way you were directly saying it, you were talking about um, your friend, the Hay House author saying that it was something to be loved. It was something to be cherished and so forth. And mm -hmm. what that really amounts to in my mind is accepting and loving the things we don't like about ourselves, which is, mm -hmm. it's a challenge, especially mm -hmm. if it's not something we've done a lot of before, then it's a real challenge. And mm -hmm. even after we've been working on doing that for a while, it can still be a challenge, especially when I want to mm. be pissy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I had this, I've had a couple of conversations recently about, about this idea. And I did a Instagram and Facebook post about this. It's uh, something that I got from um, a poor selling event. He channels some interdimensional conscious called, called the guides. And there was one line that they said once. And then there was another line they said another time. And I'll say the two lines. One is that um, you cannot stand in the light and hold another in darkness. Mm. That's number one. And the other piece was that God is in the man that you don't like. Mm, yes. So layering those two things over, first and foremost, you can't stand in the light and hold another in darkness because everything just is. And whichever thing you choose to be is what, what you're really going to be, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing, the is, thing is, if you're in light, it's kind of hard to have darkness where there's light. Cause it, that's what they're, it, they're kind exactly. of the opposite of each other. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then the, the piece about God is in the man you don't like is that it's because that thing that we call God or divinity, source, the universe, whatever, is in everything. So the second that we deny it in a thing, we're denying it full stop. Mm -hmm. And so I can't say oh i don't like you i don't want you you're no good when it's a part of me so i can't hold that i can't claim to be in the light and hold that part of me in darkness or hold that part of someone else in darkness and try and push it away i have to hold it in light if i am light otherwise i'm not in the light and if i'm denying it then i'm denying divinity and if i'm divine divinity then how can i say that i'm connected to it and if i choose to be disconnected from it then that's what I'm going to end up experiencing. So if I want to be connected to the fullness of all, I have to see the fullness of all in all things, even in those things, people, places, and things I don't like. And if I want to stand in them like that, I must hold them in the light of that love. And that's how I choose to make efforts towards living my life. It's not always easy. No, it's not, it's not, <laughs> it's always, not easy. always easy. Especially when you want to be pissy at someone. Yes. Um, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's how I've been choosing to live. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it also brings to mind the, uh, the cliche, the, the, the non-woo-woo mainstream cliche that when you point your finger at somebody, there are three fingers pointing back at you. <laughs> oh my goodness. And one's pointing up to heaven as well. <laughs> one's pointing up. That's right. Yes. <laughs> Never knew what that was pointing at, but okay. <laughs> hey, have you got, I'm, there are people upstairs right now. So someone's getting the, the thumb. Yeah, that's right. Thumbs up. Thumbs okay. Thumbs up. Someone's doing it. Yeah. It's, but it's it, you're right. Position. It's a reminder that, you know, every time that we are pointing a finger like that, all we're basically doing is tearing ourselves down. Nobody else is really losing from it. We're the ones who are doing it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that's like, it. Yeah. yeah. So you're yeah. right. I mean, you, you have to be, if, if you want to be in that place of light, you just have to see everybody in that place of light. And that is a challenge. It takes some yeah, doing. And it, it, and it doesn't mean, and I'm, this doesn't mean that you accept BS behavior. Or let people disrespect you and, and yeah, you not like talk it. about it. Yeah, I'm not saying be a walkover. Yeah. But accept it for what it is. Now that mean that may mean making choices about not having that person in your life anymore. You know. Loving somebody, holding them in that life truth doesn't mean that I have to have someone that disrespects me or harms me or, you know, isn't a very nice human to me into my environment because I have to love myself too. So that means that I have to make that choice not to actually perpetuate the energy of having that discombobulation in right and also loving myself enough to ensure that only people that meet the standard the loving standard i set for myself are in my environment mm -hmm. so this isn't about allowing disrespect and nonsense but it's it's about just being discerning from a loving place 
in what we allow into our environment. Yeah, I don't think you really have to allow disrespect because mm. ultimately, e- even the question of allowing or disallowing it is how are you going to take it? Exactly. It, it really has nothing to do with the other person at all. It's up to you. What, what's your take on it? You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. when you ha- when you know what your take is, that kind of simplifies things. We have exactly. a tendency. This is a big tendency. A lot of humans have, including those of us who consciously create, but especially those who are like, you know, oblivious of all this stuff that we're talking about of treating all of life's interactions as an opportunity to decide who's to blame. Because mm. in any given situation, somebody has to be the blame. And, and so if we can somehow figure out who is to blame in every given situation, we'll have a lovely life, except that the people who pursue that never have a lovely life. <laughs> they don't seem to notice that. <laughs> or, or the not so lovely life is the lovely life that they desire. Well, it could be, yes. And for them, in that sense, it is a lovely life. Yeah. 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 Loveliness is relative to someone's true desires. <laughs> but, but I have to admit, I, I'm a little biased about that because I'll take a look at their faces. And if their faces are showing me, then I don't really think that their life is all that lovely. <laughs> but it could, could be what they desire. Which it is, could uh, be. You know, yeah. But... yeah. <laughs> to which I say, better them than okay. me. <laughs> yeah. I hold you with the light of that which you desire and say no for me, Monty. <laughs> do, do, do it and do it well. <laughs> yeah, just do it without me. Okay? That's right. <laughs> I lovingly invite you to stand over there with that attitude. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> with a light shining on you. Or so or even more importantly, where you are. And, and this is probably the thing that people, I think more people could learn the most from, if even if they didn't understand all this stuff that we talk about here. That is just letting go of that thing they don't like, just letting go of it. You know, so there's a person mm. in your life, I, I can think of some famous people who would fit into this category, who you just don't like them. They're just, you, there's nothing about mm. them you like. They say all these things that are nasty to you and or that you feel are nasty and you just think they're just awful things to say and so forth. Stop paying attention to them. Just, mm-hmm. just stop paying attention to them. Because the funny thing is, mm-hmm. so many of the people who do thrive on that, because there are people who thrive on that, they thrive on it because they continue to get the attention. Mm-hmm. You, you really want to hit them where they live? Stop thinking about them. Yeah. The, the talk about pissing you off. That'll really piss you off if you're the kind of person who's looking for that attention, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but seriously, Ooh, like, by, by letting go of it, it, it basically dissipates any kind of fraught situation that you can think of. I mean, because mm. now you're just, it, it's like, it's like what Louise used to teach at Louise was a, a psychotherapist for about 10 years. And when she worked with her clients, um, she would teach them using this little game. It was a, it was a pillow game. Of course it was. <laughs> she'd pick it, you know, as with most therapists, she had a couch and so she'd pick up a pillow off the couch and she'd toss it to her client. She'd say, now toss it back to me. The client would toss it to her and she'd toss it to the client again. The client would catch it. Now toss it back to me. The client would toss it to her and she wouldn't catch it. She'd let it fall to the floor. And she'd say, I choose not to engage. That ends the game. You understand that client? That ends the game. And the light bulb would go off Mm -hmm. and people would say, oh, all I have to do is stop engaging. Mm-hmm. And the game stops. This game mm. that I don't like stops. Mm. So you can simply just stop engaging. Just stop engaging. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. Very. Hmm. I'm thinking also of another topic that I'd really like to bring in, but we don't have enough time because there's about three or four minutes left in the show. Maybe oh, five. We've done, the, we've done the show already. We've gone through <laughs> 55 minutes so far. I mean, we're just flying oh. through this thing. Wow. Yeah. Next so, time. I'll have to save it for next time, but um, I'll I'll give you a a clue that you can think about it. And uh, while you're, uh, while you're thinking about it, it'll be actually for a week from now, because this Thursday we have, what are we doing on Thursday? We're we're starting a book by a famous author named Dan Mangana. (gasps) Oh my goodness. I've heard about this guy. Is he cool? I don't know. He's very cool. I've never met him. He's a good guy. Yeah. I never ignore him. (laughs) Never. I don't take my attention away from him and say, I never want to think about him again. <laughs> I choose to engage. <laughs> I choose to engage him. That's right. <laughs> but uh, no, we're going to do your book on Thursday. We're going to start doing yep. the book anyway. And yep. Uh, yep. Yep. I don't think we're going to finish it. We probably won't even finish the first half of chapter one, but uh, 
you know, it's going to be fun to do that for sure. We can take it to, I don't remember how many chapters I've got. I think it's like 19 or something. Chapters. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can get through a couple of them and see how we go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. ultimately whenever we do these book reviews, we do it because the books stimulate conversations. So that's the whole purpose. And that, that's why usually with these things, we don't get very far. You know, we say, okay, we got that far. Let's talk about it for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, I, what I look forward to doing is, um, so I've been doing on my podcast, on the Do It Damn podcast, I've been going through the Build Intention Paradigm for the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And every week uh, I do about 10 minutes on each of the four steps. But going into context of stuff that's not in the book and mm. not even on any of the programs on it and adding some texture to it. So yeah. we'll do the same thing here. We'll add some background, we'll add some texture, maybe we'll do some exercises on it uh, and give the listeners something that they can play with and, and go and apply in their life. So, so for people who want to um, uh, get the book ahead of time and start reading up, it's Stepping Beyond Intention? Stepping Beyond Intention. If you go to dreamwithdan.com, my website, and go to the books tab at the top, it's got it there. You can get the link straight into it. It's now on Audible, Kindle, and paperback. Ooh, very good. Yeah, so people who like Audible books now, they have a way to... to are, you, yeah. I, are you the reader? Do you read it, or did you hire somebody else I'm, to read it? I, I hired someone to read it. You hired someone else. It, reading a book... But, it, that takes a lot of time and effort. And yeah, I, I, my 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 second book, The Dream is Manifesto, which is like a little pocket book. It, you can read it in an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Three hours in, in on it in the studio, and I got through like three chapters of the seven. So <laughs> I believe when that. I when I looked at the thirty thousand words of Stephen Good Intention, I said, "No, thank you." Not no, happening. No. <laughs> and my schedule, my schedule just didn't allow for it, you know, because mm. you have to use the same studio and all that sort of. Oh thing. yeah. But I'm, I'm going to go back to do the Dreamers Manifesto. I'm going to be in Carbo pretty much uh, for the next month, so um, oh. I can sit in a studio and actually get it done. So fabulous! We'll see how we go with that. Good stuff. So another opportunity to hear Dan's golden voice. <laughs> I love it. My golden voice. Hey, how are you? <laughs> you do, right, that we do a little dance. We should do a little tell dance. The, tell the listeners how to uh, how to download the show and subscribe and whatnot. That's, well, yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll tell them how to do it. You do the dance because I can't talk and dance at the same time. I'm not good at that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't know if they're going to see me today. So we'll have to wait until Alex is back before I do the dancing. <laughs> but, um, but certainly we do want people who are not yet subscribers to become subscribers. And it's very, very simple. Most people know how to do it these days, which I really love because it used to be back in the day. I had to teach everybody how to do it. But now <laughs> people know how to do it. It's great and makes it really simple. Yep. But for those of you who are still not quite sure, it's pretty easy. Um, the easiest way is just to go to the homepage of our website, loatoday.net, and at the top of the page you'll find a little thing to click on. And uh, Dan found that he could get it uh, subscribed in one click. You know, so you might be able to be a you might be a one click person. Depending on your device, <laughs> you might be a two click person, maybe even three clicks, but it's going to be quick. It's going to be really. Quick. <laughs> There's a clicking going to happen. You could do it. <laughs> And, of course, you can also check us out on YouTube because we live stream to YouTube as we're doing this. And uh, you can do like Jeffrey does and join us on the live stream and uh, share comments that we include on the show. Um, But you can also just do the playbacks. Just go to YouTube and do a search for LOA Today podcast videos and we'll pop right up where you can click the subscribe button and click the little bell so you get notified every single time that we do a show. So those are the the two main takeaways. By the way, I also want to do a, a shout out to the smaller percentage of our listeners who are members of the Law of Attraction Pivot Pals group on Facebook who are actively going to their their little vignette posts and revisiting them every day. So we talked earlier about people who don't stick to the plan. We have a small audience there that are sticking to the plan. So way to go, guys. I love it. Go, guys. Yeah, really, really good. Actually, I shouldn't say guys because most of them are women. The women are the ones who are... (laughs) Guys, Folks. we're we're we're, we're falling behind, guys. I mean, the women are ahead of us here. So this is where we have to kind of you know step up our game a little bit. Except for Jeffrey, Jeffrey's like one, uh, one of the leaders on the site there. But um, right. yeah, by all means, keep keep uh, doing it. And if you have not yet joined the group, it's a great way to just you know get into that thirty day program and do it in a place where other people are going to say, yeah, go 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 mm-hmm. go. You get encouraged, you know. You get that that little push that you need. Especially, what well, was the category of person who needs to be reminded? Uh, the obliger, right. So if you're an obliger, you know, that's a perfect place for you to be because you're going to get the, a little bit of juice every single time that you post. Like, yes. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. Good stuff. So, all right. Well, good stuff. By any, any last uh, contributions before we sign off for the day? I think we've, we've we covered a I never thought we could do a show on what it is that we really preferred not to have to do. 
But that's what we did. It was good. It wasn't even that way. That's not even where we started off, but it's where we ended up. It is. I think we've given some gems. Just play with things. I'd say just play with things, be open. And remember, life's not all that serious. None of us are getting it alive anyway. Boy, oh boy, is that the case? Yeah, yeah. I'm reminded of the uh, the Monty Python song from the end of The Life of Brian. I don't know if you remember that one, but it's the no. song that goes, "Always look on the bright side of life. bright side of life." That's the one. Yeah. And basically, they make the point in that song: you're not getting out of it alive anyway, so why bother getting upset? Exactly. So good stuff. So thank you, Daniel. I look forward to talking to you on Thursday when Alex King will be back to be part of the grilling of Daniel about stepping beyond intentions. It's going to be good stuff. And thank you, Jeffrey and other live streamers. We appreciate your input as well. Thank you, especially to our podcast listeners. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.